This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to the world of pollinators and efforts to preserve the diverse universe of pollinators here in the Empire State. To do that, we're joined by State Senator Rachel May, a Syracuse Democrat who sponsors the Pollinator Promotion Act. Welcome back to the show, Senator. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. It's our pleasure, even though we've really been popping a lot of peas, and that's not great for radio, but we'll, we'll do our best for the listeners. I hope, I hope you'll be with me on that. Absolutely. So in recent years, there's been a growing dialogue about bees being under threat, uh, leading to campaigns like No Mow May. From your perspective, what is the bee landscape like in New York? And are there reasons to still be concerned about, say, the number and diversity of bees in the state? Well, we did pass the pollinator-friendly median bill a few years ago, and you can see along the medians of state roads that there's a lot of native plants there that are pollinator-friendly. But the thing about pollinators is that they really need connected habitat. So we want to see as many, not just large tracts, but connected tracts. So in this bill, it includes the highway verges, it promotes hedgerows around farms, a lot of uh, state university lands that are real, have real potential for establishing a lot of pollinator-friendly habitat. And that then gets us closer to the kind of critical mass we want to see. Well, yeah, your bill addresses, say, opportunities on state lands, opportunities at SUNY campuses. Do you imagine that this is a heavy lift for these different institutions to actually implement your legislation if it became law? Or is there the expertise and personnel at these institutions and campuses to to carry out your vision? So I'll answer in two parts. One is Uh, At the base level, it's not that hard. We're talking about native plants that want to grow in these places anyway. So it's, I I will say, I had a home on Long Island. I had a home in Syracuse. I had a home in Minnesota. I planted native plant gardens in all three places. And even though they were different plants for those different areas, it was very easy to establish them. And as soon as they were established, you saw the pollinators and all the species that that come along with pollinators. There are a lot of pollinators are food for some important species. Pollinator-friendly habitats are also habitat for a lot of other species, and they're beautiful. So the whole combination of it is it's not that hard to make this happen. But the bill also does include language about uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension providing assistance for this, uh, for pollinator friendly planting establishment. And um, by locating these on college campuses, I think they become teaching opportunities from the ground up, so to speak. So at SUNY College of Environmental Science and Forestry, for example, the pollinator, the B campus project has really not just beautified the campus, but engaged students and classes in all kinds of learning about what we're talking about when we talk about the need for native species and native ecosystems to thrive. Well, outside of, say, SUNY ESF, is there reason to believe that institutions around New York, whether it is higher education institutions or just any type of organization that's operating, say, something with some outdoor space is actually proactively doing any of this or will this represent a a 
significant change for a lot of places. You know, there are traditions in what uh, landscaping looks like on a place like a college campus. And a lot of it is nice green lawn and some very well trimmed hedges and trees and that kind of thing. But what we're finding is that when they can use maybe not the spaces that get the most foot traffic where you might want the lawn, but other areas around that, when they can let them grow more wild, it becomes better habitat for the humans as well as for the the pollinators because because it's so beautiful and changes with all the seasons and uh, people find it just uplifting, I think. So, you know, it is a change in, in landscaping habit and tradition, but I think a lot of landscapers are open to accepting this. And especially if, you know, they don't have to mow, there are a lot of ways that it can be labor saving as well. So does your legislation serve as a mandate for these practices, or is it primarily about promoting them as an option to the different institutions we've been mentioning? It has a mix of things. Like we want to put together a pilot project for um, hedgerow establishment around farms. That's not a mandate, but for the state university campuses, it isn't like every square inch of the of the property has to be pollinator friendly, but to incorporate the the B campus model on those campuses, uh, yes, that would be a requirement because we think the state owns a lot of land in so many different uh, micro regions of the state that establishing them there is both good for the pollinators, but also good for people learning how easy it is and how valuable it is to have these in wherever that we we can in the state. With so-called birds and bees legislation that's been kicking around Albany and was designed to promote the safety of our pollinators, there was pushback from some in the agriculture community. So as part of this initiative, do you have, say, any buy-in from farmers who need pollinators to do their work? Well, we just introduced this bill, so we haven't been doing the legwork yet of getting the buy-in, but I do think that this is an approach that farmers will be able to embrace. Uh, Farmers I've talked to who have hedgerows really swear by them as uh, harboring a lot of beneficial species that help to control some of the pests that they encounter in, um, in farming. And they also can be helpful in reducing, say, flooding or or places where water might might um, collect and make it harder for them to do the farming. So I do think this will be something that many farmers will welcome. Well, finally, about this bill, how was it crafted? Who did you turn to, say, for help? Is there an apiary lobby that was knocking on your door? How did it come about? I think the genesis of it was when SUNY ESF opened its Be Friendly Campus uh, initiative, and we met with the pollinator expert there, who is incredibly knowledgeable and gave us a master class in the importance of pollinators and and honestly how 
little it takes, how it's just a, a small shift in perspective about what landscapes are for and how they should be managed that can make a huge difference. So I, I think that was the origin of it. And then there are a lot of um, resources from the B Campus USA uh, organization and other pollinator organizations. So yeah, and I just met this week with somebody who has a farm on Skaniatalis Lake who grows native plant seeds to try to make sure that seeds are available to people who want to do this. So there is an opportunity for a whole kind of industry in the state of promoting native plants as well, which is pretty exciting. Well, with the time we have left, I want to turn our attention to an issue that you were part of a hearing on earlier this fall, which is the state's laws governing bottle deposits and redemptions. And we recently heard from your assembly counterpart on this issue, Assembly Environmental Conservation Committee Chair Deborah Glick, uh, about the issue. But I'm wondering whether you've had any thoughts uh, in the weeks since that hearing on what you learned and if anything stood out from that experience that you think is going to shape your efforts uh, legislatively on this issue in 2024. Yeah, so this is a bill that I've covered, I've carried for a few years, and I was really glad that we were able to have that hearing because we got a lot of really useful input. One of the things that I heard that was most valuable was about some states where they've had successful efforts that are a little bit different from New York's. And I think we should look at some of that. One of the main issues was where does the money go? The, the unclaimed deposits, I think there were some very good arguments made about how the unclaimed deposits shouldn't just go into the general fund as most of that money does, but should actually be earmarked for supporting the redemption centers for uh, supporting enforcement because fraud is an issue in this, in this arena. And then just making sure that it's dedicated to waste reduction and not just going into the general fund. Well, your bill on this topic is very comprehensive. And though to hear you talk about something like the unclaimed funds money, which now goes into the state's, for lack of a better word, slush fund, the general fund, which makes the bill, if you were to expand it and try to tackle that even more, I guess, comprehensive. Are you concerned at all heading into 2024 that this is almost too big of an issue for the legislature to grapple and that it's better to do it in pieces with all the different concerns, whether it is expanding the types of beverages, whether it's the amount of the deposit or uh, the experience of redemption centers. I mean, how are you thinking about this uh, approach heading into 2024? I think the main message from our hearing was that we can't delay this any longer because the, especially because the redemption centers are going out of business. They simply cannot pay their workers a living wage on the handling fee that they're getting now. So I'm sure we will talk about some kind of stopgap measure that could just increase the handling fee, but, but for the long term, you can't do that separate from increasing the deposit. So even if there was a stopgap measure, we'd also have to pass the more comprehensive bottle mm. bill to raise the deposit. So my inclination is to try to do it all at once and early in the session and have the part about the handling fee go into effect as soon as possible. 
I have not talked with Assemblymember Glick about that as a change in this bill, and she may have other ideas. We'll have to figure out, you know, strategize about the best way to really get that part of it done as fast as possible. Um, because redemption centers are major employers, honestly, in many corners of the state, very tiny villages and stuff have have redemption centers that employ people. And if they're going out of business, that's a real issue for those areas, it, quite apart from the fact that it makes it harder for people to return their bottles and cans. So we've got to address that issue quickly. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with State Senator Rachel May. She is a Syracuse Democrat. Senator, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Dave. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.